Uh, there is not a monocolor of each um, of each. What? There's a couple white ones. There's a black you know, one, a red one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Demonstrate the Loop. We are a Magic the Gathering podcast where we do everything from deck text discussions and set dissections. And today we got a big, juicy set to dissect, like a frog, a big mm. pregnant school frog. What? Uh, oh, man. You had a much more traumatizing biology class than I did. I was homeschooled. Also, we never had biology. Also, they didn't try to teach me nothing. This is just how I spent my time. Anyway, so we're doing a set review today, um, y'all. Um, the set that we're going to be reviewing is going to be the, oh, I always forget what it's actually called. Adventures in the Forgotten Realms, the D&D set. Also, yes. the replacement set or in the place of the core set for this year. Hooray! Yay! Bye-bye, no core set. There we go. Uh, quick My mic inter- was even muted, so it was extra quiet. Good. <laughs> <laughs> A quick introduction. I'm Daniel. Hello. Uh, next up, we have Drew. Hello. And then last and least, we got Josh. Woo! Hello, the frog that I dissected in middle school actually was full of eggs. Oh, jeez. Were, were they at least frog eggs? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I, I, I don't know. You like Rooney's. God, Drew. <laughs> I guess, yeah, it's... It, I was in middle school, Drew. I didn't know all the it. eggs yet. You didn't know all the types of eggs. That's as far true. as you can assume, all That's eggs true. are frog's eggs. Mm-hmm. Hmm. That'd be whatever. Um, so truly neither nor there. Re- yes, this set that is pre-releasing this upcoming weekend as of recording and should be releasing week after it comes out, maybe. Um, yeah. is D and D inspired? And by inspired, I mean it is D and D. It's not inspired. These are all D and D things. Uh, like all the legendaries are characters from D and D. The Planeswalkers mm-hmm. are characters from D&D, and a lot of the spells are references to things in Dungeons & Dragons. Just to, uh, real quick, uh, how do each of y'all feel about Dungeons & Dragons in general? I've played uh, um, a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, I'll follow up. I've played a little bit of Dungeons & Dragons. It gives <laughs> me um, analysis paralysis real bad, and I never feel like I know what I'm doing. But I've had a good time. Yeah, I guess I like to speak on that part of it. Like, it's Dungeons and Dragons. I have both um, been a player and a dungeon master. Um, I ran a campaign for like a full year. Um, I I love D and D quite a bit. Um, I, however, I like I I actually approach D and D as purely a rule set. I have never been very interested in any of the actual D and D lore. I have never run or really played in a campaign that was very heavy on the actual like first party D and D characters or lore outside of what you have to do just for the game to function yeah Uh, i I was i was always under the impression and this kind of blew my mind um Mm. i was i didn't know that there were characters in in the sense (laughs) that like like uh who's the who's the main villain of uh, the lich the big lich that you can make if you combine all the pieces in the set Oh, oh, I posted him uh, in our, in our Vecna. Chat like, Vecna. Vecna. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Vecna is a bad guy that they wrote, and people just use their bad guy. I, uh-huh. I just assumed that everybody made up their own bad guys all the time. 
Like all the good guys and bad guys were just things that people came up with. I didn't know that you just use the other yeah. people's guys. That's weird to me. It is. You know, weird. There's, there's a whole yeah. series of like modules that have not only, you know, big bad. Cause like I could see people having like a pre-built boss and not wanting to do all that work, but even just, you know, like small characters, um, a couple hero characters have been made and stuff like that. They're in D and D lore. Um, I mean, like, Dritz Duerden is probably the most well-known, even if you're not in D&D. But yeah, like, there's there's both big, like, evil bosses, kind of, like, forces of nature, and also just, like, people. <laughs> there's just, like, D&D, mm-hmm. like, lore-known people. That's so interesting to me. Well, we've got a whole bunch of new mechanics that are getting added in this set, and we're going to go over those real quickly, get our feelings on them and thoughts on them, and they are all, of course, uh, D&D-inspired Um, But we will quickly talk over the fact that there are a bunch of keyword abilities, but they're Mm -hmm. all fake, or most of (laughs) them are fake, because it's just for flavor purposes. So, Mm -hmm. for instance, Mm -hmm. uh, like Mind Flayer, 3 and 2 blue, it's a 3-3 horror, and it has Dominant Monster. Uh, When it enters the battlefield, gain control of target creature for as long as you control Mind Flayer. This is the only card in the whole set with Dominate Monster. It's the only one that has it, and that is on a bunch of cards. Not Dominate Monster, but there's a (laughs) bunch of monsters with one-off keywords that don't show up again. That also aren't keywords, because keywords wouldn't be italicized. Yeah, but they're flavor and put before the thing. It's it's cool, especially if you know what any of those things are references to. For me, it's just extra words. At the top, yeah, that aren't yeah. the real words. That I don't uh, know. I don't know the backstory on most of it. It's just kind of cluttered. Yeah, yeah like eyes. I was saying, that's the thing. Actually, for me, like it's. I think on the card, it like like we just had the uh, you know we just had here. It makes it kind of trickier to explain. It's it is trickier to explain than I think it is in practice. And like it also, I do I do think you know it adds words to the card. But I think in play. It's a lot easier to just say, like, I do this ability, I do, like, to actually name it. And so I think it probably will help things, like, play pretty easily. Because it basically is you have, like, creatures with modal abilities, and you have a ton of them with that. And so it's a way to kind of smooth that out, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's big flavor win. Like, yeah. I mean, it's it's strange, mm-hmm. and and it was very confusing when I was first seeing it, but I, to, to people who who get it, and I mean, it makes sense that they would do things for D&D fans, given this is the D&D set. I'm sure that it's real, real tasty and mm-hmm. fun yeah. to see. Mm-hmm. No, I like... Uh, there's a lot of things that I really like. Like, the fact that there is an instant that's just called You Find Some Prisoners is just... <laughs> is so mm-hmm. dumb. And, but... I get it, and it's also really fun. It's yeah. fun, mm-hmm. dumb goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, as a lot of people have been saying, like I haven't played it yet, I haven't bought anything, pre-ordered anything, but a lot of people are saying that this is how you do a powered-down set. You know, mm-hmm. like this compared mm-hmm. to something like Throne of Eldraine, a lot of people are saying, hey, this set is not as strong. There's probably not going to be too much in this that's going to dominate standard, but people are going to buy this like crazy because the flavor is so good. Yeah, they made it a real tasty mm-hmm. treat, mm-hmm. even if it's not necessarily all that filling. Um, right, and that's and that's nice, and I like that. So now we're going to jump into the mechanics of the set. There are three main mechanics. I'll just say them all real quick. There is uh, venturing into the dungeon, 
is its own mechanic. There is a whole new subtype of enchantments called classes we'll go into. And dice rolling is back from the unsets, baby! But this time in Black Border. Um, so I guess we'll just start off with the dungeoneering, venturing into the dungeon. What is venturing into the dungeon? And does it require up to three different things outside of the game? Uh, it does require <laughs> up to three different things outside of the game. Um, so a thing that's added, a, it's I think it's been, people are calling it a new card type, but technically dungeons they're not they're not a card they're not a permanent they're not a token um but uh these these sit in the token slot in the packs that you pull you don't ever have to draft them you are you always have access to the three available dungeons and various cards in the set either as a trigger or a part of the spell's resolution will have the keyword action venture into the dungeon and when you do that for the first time you choose whatever one of the three uh, dungeons, you put it in the command zone, and you put a venture counter on the first room of that dungeon, and that room's room ability triggers. Um, and then subsequently, when you do more venturing into the dungeon, you then move your venture counter into the next room. You can only be in one dungeon at a time, but you can complete each dungeon as many times as you want to. Um, it's a really interesting way of doing things. It's like I said, this is not a permanent, uh, it's, it's not like there is counters being built up that you can proliferate or anything. It's just 100%. You, you venture into the dungeon each time you get that trigger and you move through the dungeon and it essentially adds these various, uh, room ability triggers to your spells and your critters and stuff. Lots of variety. Very interesting. Okay, so give me give me an example. Just give me a quick read through of one of the dungeons. You can pick the, the smaller one if you want to, because I know there's oh, like oh, yeah, yeah. varying there are... sizes, like a small, medium, and large. So what, yeah. what's an example of like the room abilities we may get on a dungeon? Yeah, I'll do I'll do the intermediate one because they they do vary. There's one that's kind of the uh, get through quick, but it's pretty rough. There's one that's pretty long but has a better payoff. But the base one is the Lost Mine of Fandelver. Uh, when you first venture into it. You just scry one in that room. From there, you have a choice. Next time you venture, you can choose one of two rooms to go into, either the goblin layer, where you'll create a 1-1 goblin creature token, or the mine tunnels, where you'll create a treasure token. And then that also determines what rooms you can enter on your third venturing into that dungeon, because each of those two can go into two different ones. There's an overlap of room. But anyway, then you get to the last final room and you just draw a card. Um, so yeah, there there are um, different cards that have uh, payoffs for if you have completed a whole dungeon or if you've completed a specific dungeon. So there can be different strategies there too. If you choose the run through fast, but it's rough dungeon, or if you want to go through the long haul, which is the dungeon of the mad mage to get the big uh, payoff, which is drawing three cards and then you can cast one of them for free. You got choices. You do whatever you want. There's endless possibilities. That's not true. There's a finite number, but well, there's still variety. Yeah, that's not true. <laughs> there are decidedly finite <laughs> possibilities. Yes. All right, so uh, real quick, how, what do we? What, how do we feel about about this mechanic as a as a whole, Josh? Since you 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 talked about it, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I've actually I've done at least one draft on uh, 
MTG Arena, and I did, to the best of my ability, go Big Venture. Um, ended up going blue-white on it, and I ventured a lot. I was able to complete the Dungeon of the Mad Mage a couple of times in one game, which takes a lot of venturing. Um, and let me tell you, I was really doing that, and it was really satisfying, but it wasn't like that was blowing me big bonkers into destroying my opponents. It just was kind of um, uh, fun. It was just fun, not bonkers strong. And that was that's like the 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 big dungeon that you were doing. Yeah, yeah. I also think I might have not built a very okay. good deck because I didn't do very well. Uh, but I did have a good time venturing a whole bunch. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I like it. Um I wrote I love dungeons. Um I think that the dungeons were done incredibly well. There's a lot of mm-hmm. cool they made so many ways to venture and mm-hmm. so many repeatable ways to venture and there are four or maybe five I I think that there's a multicolored one, but there are four different monocolored legendaries that have venture just as text on the card. So if you want, you can go mono green venture. You can go mono white with a Nadar, the selfless paladin. There is the black one. Uh, Acerac, the Arc yeah, Acerac, the Archlich oh, that I think actually neat. has like an infinite combo built into it. If you um, are playing Demir. Um, hmm. And then the red one is amazing too. He's a Zalto, the fire giant Duke. And he is just, whenever he is dealt damage, venture into the dungeon. Mm-hmm. So if you got like Pyrohemia or weird little pingers, you just you just travel through that thing. And that's so cool to me. They have so many cool ways of, of doing that. Like the green one is whenever you cast a creature spell or a planeswalker, mm-hmm. you just venture. You just yeah, trek on through them. You can only do that once per turn. Um but, you know, give them flash and stuff. I think it's really neat. I think it's really neat. And they made a lot of unique ways to do it in essentially every color but blue. I, I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm like, and like on dungeons, I mostly just think it's like, I think you have to put your fun hat on for them because I don't necessarily think, I think like, uh, if you, I mean, if you're going infinite with any of these, obviously, you know, some of this will let you just draw your entire deck. So there, there's obviously a pretty high power ceiling on these. But like when I, when I look at them, I don't know. Uh, I, I, I have a hard time caring about this personally because it's uh, for me, because I have done like homebrew D and D stuff going into like a, a spooky dungeon has never been a thing that I cared about in D and D. I definitely like that it is here. I like that it is in the D&D set because I feel like there needs to be some mechanical representation of that. Um, and I like that I like that none of these are like seemingly on their nose game breaking. So it allows the mm. venturing through a dungeon to be a fun mechanic. I feel like if even one of these was a little too strong, it would become it's a problem because dungeons exist outside of the game. You can't interact with them. They're emblems again basically. And so I like where they're at as a as like a game piece because they're not pushed so hard that they are then frustrating because if your opponent is venturing into the dungeon, there's just about yeah. nothing you can do about it. No, um, that, that's what I'm yeah. thinking. I'm thinking like they did such a good job of making it not backbreaking, but giving you mm-hmm. so many different options of doing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's 
And then, like, yeah, looking down here, there's an Orzov and an Azorius commander that also have different yeah. different ways of venturing into the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Well, Hama Pashar doesn't actually let you venture, but any room abilities you have trigger twice. So it's well, there's also yeah, one yeah, of yeah. the uh, one of the pre-constructed commanders uh, for the set, Sephiris of the Hidden Ways, is oh Esper. right, yeah, that's so the that you Esper could run one. both of those mm-hmm. two in that deck if you were really good. And that's the thing, like it's I feel like with uh, with venturing into the dungeon, uh, it's you look at this and like it's it's not busted or anything like that. So I feel like if you're going to go into it, you just kind of have to put your fun hat on a little bit for this mechanic because yeah. it is incredibly fun and it's it's not going to be anything that's crazy busted. Yep. No, no, no. And a, I'm, yeah. I'm sure that there are more ways than I'm thinking of where you can go infinite. And I, I do think that there is a dungeon that can drain. Um, mm-hmm. But like, you, mm-hmm. you got to work for it. It's, it's going to be a it's thing where you got to get looking, a lot of things going. That's right. the thing. Like, it's, it's looking at the dungeons. Any of these that, because I mean, like, it's any of these that say an opponent loses life, you can, or then, or even an opponent draws a card, you can end the game that way. But to, to infinite and introduce venturing into the dungeon into your infinite combo to get there you could already do those exact same combos with fewer cards by not doing the dungeon part so for me like (laughs) it's i don't think anyone who's trying to combo off is going to do it this way and anyone who happens to get there that's perfectly fine because if you're trying to combo off you can do it easier that's the thing. Some people like the the like the the Johnnies. I feel are going to because they like the challenge of of the deck build. If they're going to run the same mm-hmm. combos everyone else does, that takes away a lot of the, the oh, creativity well, for the thing, it. I think it's going to be busted. We're not busted, but I, I think there'll be a lot yeah. of people, especially people who actually like D anD D. Like yeah. I, they'll be like, I can win if I just walk through a dungeon forever. That's really funny. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing though. Like, if, if that's what those players are going to do, that means those players are actively being pulled to straight up worse versions of combos that oh, already yeah. exist. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. I think that's also fine. Like, it's if that's going to pull anyone, it's going to pull them into powering down a strategy that they can currently do before the set even came out. So, again, it's not like there's no problem there either. I I like them. I like them. I like it. Uh, let's move on to the new enchantment subtypes of the classes. Drew, what do our classes do? So there is a variety of classes and they do a variety of things. But essentially in the set, um, I really like this inclusion and I like this implementation of it. Magic has had classes for as soon as they've had multiple creature types. They've just been a type of creature. Uh, but what they've done with the classes here is they've done a... Um, they're another of the types of cards that are a thing that you, the player, are really dealing with. Um, they had done this in a similar vein to like some of the... Um, on Theros, some of the enchantment artifacts were not equipment. And they weren't equipment because you, the player, were using them, not yeah. the creatures. Ah, and so yeah. uh, class is kind of in that same type of vein. It's the thing that you, the player, get. So um, as an example class, we have, um, I'll just do the first one alphabetically, is Barbarian class. One in a red, it's an enchantment. And the uh, the classes are each enchantments that have an activated ability to go up the level. So similar to a level counter from Zendikar, except for that counter bit. So there's no proliferation shenanigans you can do with Mm -hmm. these. Mm -hmm. It's just a static effect of the card that is on the level. Even if you choose to represent that with a dice, you will not be able to proliferate it to cheat it or do anything like that. Also, conveniently, with a Vorinclex in standard, <laughs> means that Vorinclex right. has not shut down this entire... Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but Barbarian, as an example, so uh, you play a Barbarian class for one red, 
Um, and it says gain the next level as a sorcery and add its ability. So that whenever you play it, just raw for one red, you get the ability of if you would roll one or more dice, instead roll that many dice plus one and ignore the lowest roll. D&D players will recognize that immediately as rolling with advantage. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you're building, mm -hmm. especially in draft, or if you're you know really leaning into the set, you're building around a lot of dice rolls, that's for one red, you, that's great. Like, on its that, face, yeah, like, that's really yeah. something cool. Yeah. Um, that's like the Crocs thumb for one yeah, red, which is great. Just immediately. Um, and so then for one and a red, if you want to go to level two, Whenever you roll one or more dice, target creature you control gets plus two plus oh and gains menace to end a turn. So again, if you're in the deck doing a lot of dice rolls, that's just easy. And then mm -hmm. level three, two and a red, creatures you control have haste. So if you wanted to, this could also be functionally an enchantment that is for six mana. All your creatures have haste. Whenever you roll one or more dice, your creatures a creature gets plus two plus oh and menace. And whenever you would roll a dice, you get to roll two instead and pick the highest one, which is mm -hmm. not a terrible mm -hmm. rate for six total mana and i think it's good like i really like how it kind of builds you up there um and, and that's the class in a nutshell like there's definitely different specific examples here um uh, but that's essentially it it starts off when it hits the board it is giving you some ability which is also another way that i think it's a better implementation of leveling than like the creatures with level up counters on uh, original zendikar because some of those creatures would hit the board as a vanilla creature, and they would grow into a cooler creature, which I get does also represent the flavor. But I definitely yeah. prefer this implementation where it's just on you, the player, taking on this class, getting these abilities. And these abilities are not bad. I don't know that I would say any of these is a bad card at all. Yeah, I don't think yeah, so. Let me, let yeah, let me do a quick once-over... Um, like i genuinely I mean, think that these like they're, they're, you can make an argument that these are almost just straight up staple cards like in the in the colors like yeah I think is one the, that needs more support than the other ones but like i wouldn't i wouldn't make fun of you for running that really at all because it's eventually it's just oh everything has haste and you just have another of that effect in your deck yeah. yeah i think the only one that really i look at and i'm like this one because most of them are static effects the only one that's really not is like mm -hmm. sorcerer class and ranger a uh, sorcerer is just when it ETBs draw two cards and discard two cards, but that's really good. And ranger class just gives you a two-two wolf when it first enters. Um, yeah. So, you know, yeah. it, it's those aren't necessarily well, the best ones. They're, they're still a crazy great but for ranger it, class though. there though. Yeah, that that's oh, grizzly yeah. bear just straight yeah. up. That's straight up grizzly bear, and it's on a token mm -hmm. body, so there's potential for abuse there. And it's an enchantment, so there's a potential for abuse there. Mm -hmm. And like sorcerer class, I mean, yeah, like it's not it's not crazy busted, but two mana to draw two, discard two. I'd do yeah. that all the time. No, day. that's that's no really that. good. I'm just saying it those yeah. the, all the other ones are like static. They're a thing that continue yeah. to happen just for that base investment. And that's the but only are, thing that I was yeah, saying. There are but some though I, that were like um if you go to level two, the level two doesn't add a static, it just has uh, a trigger when it levels up. So there's there's variety there. There's different different versions. But um yeah, there's variety in the design, so they're not they're not really that samey. But I think mm -hmm. all of these are like just generically pretty. I feel like in any deck in their colors, they're okay. Mm -hmm. And in a deck that's really built around what the what the class is doing, they're like great. Like they're like really good. Yeah, I really I, I'm definitely I, gonna use. A I'm couple. a big fan of the classes. They're a mm -hmm. low mana investment for like big payoffs later, and mm -hmm. you know, especially in like commander, like what we play, it's just. Like wizard class is just really good. Like it's yeah. just you have no mm -hmm. max hand size for one, and then you just can have it become a beater later. You yep. can just be like, you know, I'm playing Niv Mizzet. Let's just make mm -hmm. him huge. Anytime I draw yep. a card, that's fine. Like yeah. these are all good. Like I think that these were 
this is some really good simplistic design. And I feel like Wizards has has a hard time with that. Like, mm-hmm. especially. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's all, it's very clean and very elegant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's and a it really just all good flows, like, really well. Because I believe they're all either one drop or two drop to put out. Super efficient. You're going to be able to mm-hmm. play it at any yep. point in the game. And the fact that, you know... If you get out something on turn one that's not that big a deal. You put out Warlock class, and then at the beginning of each of your turns, if a creature dies, you you each opponent loses one life. But then if you get all the way leveled up to level three, this is a, a semi-wound wound reflection. reflection. Yeah, and you had to put more, more yeah. mana into it, but you were able to slowly invest that over time and you had this continuous effect going on the whole time, it it just it just works at any point in the game. And that's a great feel. I like them. Yeah. And it's I, I really like because like one of the issues I feel like with the um with the previous uh, attempt to like translate leveling up into magic is that like if I, you know, really go in on my, I don't know, Jiraga tree speaker and I've got it all leveled <laughs> up, like that creature is certainly cool, but it still dies to just like a doom blade and stuff like that. Whereas like these level up feel like a better payoff for for my investment than just one of my creatures is cooler. Whenever I could have just played a more efficient, better creature instead. These are like, these effects are really good at the top end and you build to it. And they're also a bit wider as far as their scope goes. So it feels like I, the player in this game, have leveled up and gotten more powerful. So I think it even translates the idea a bit better. And being, you know, just also being an enchantment just makes it more difficult to remove these effects yeah. than like a level up creature, which is always, always a plus. So I think we're all on the same page about classes. They're yeah, pretty elegant. Great. They're pretty yeah. good. You could, you know, even if you're, it, you probably put any one of these into a, into a commander deck or something and have a pretty good time with it. I'm sure rogue class mm-hmm. is going to mm-hmm. go into every Anawan deck. And, <laughs> yeah. You know, Boros decks. I could see wanting this fighter class thing. It's just an equipment tutor. <laughs> so that's really, yes. really good. Why all right, not? moving on to the third thing. We need that third thing. And that third thing is they did it. The Mad Men did it. They brought in dice rolling. I <laughs> was never expecting them to actually bring in D20s. Um, they they really knocked my socks off here. But there are a plethora of cards that let you roll a D20. And you will do something, depending on what the number is, of the role. I know it's crazier than it sounds. So I'll, I'll pick one out. Here's a card that has a D20 roll effect on it. This is Delina, Wild Mage. It is three and a red for an elf shaman. Whenever Delina Wild Mage attacks, choose target creature you control, then roll a D20. On a one through 14, you create a tapped and attacking token that's a copy of that creature, except it's not legendary and it has exiled this creature into combat. And on a 15 through 20, you create one of those tokens and roll again. So this is mm-hmm. one example mm-hmm. of the many things that uh, the rolling mechanic can do. Um, <clears throat> that one only has two options, but one of the things that they did is that there are there are a couple of cards that actually have more than just two options. Mm-hmm. Like uh, like my favorite one is the treasure chest. I'll find treasure chest and let me read you treasure chest because this is. This is a three mana rare artifact. You pay four and you sacrifice treasure chest and you roll a d20. Um, <clears throat> on a one, trapped, you lose three life. On a two through nine, create five treasure tokens. On a 10 through 19, you gain three life and draw three cards. <laughs> and on a 20, you just get 
an artifact from your deck and put it into play. And that's yep. just and that's <laughs> just what happens. Uh-huh. Well, you you can technically tutor for any card you want, but if it mm-hmm. is an artifact, you can put it directly into play. So uh-huh. it's it's coin flip shenanigans, but on a dice. Essentially, you're you're gonna get mm-hmm. some mm-hmm. you're gonna get some effect based on your role. It is incredibly simplistic um, for how complicated and how long it took them to add it to Black Border. Um, mm-hmm. It's not. It's not that complicated. The cards tell you what to roll, and you roll them. And then you do them. And most of them are just like, if this attacks or enters the battlefield, or you do something, I don't think there's really anything else that that is crazy about them. Uh, and then there are a few like payoffs, like Barbarian Class. It lets you roll an additional dice. And so there's other cards that interact in that way. I think there's one that makes a fairy every mm-hmm. time. Or what is it? Is it a... Oh, the, the one that makes oh, a fairy the, the dragon, pixie guy. I think. If you would roll one... No, no, the pixie oh, no, guy. No, no. It's yeah. a flying one three. If you would roll one or more dice and said roll that many dice plus one and ignore the lowest. So this one also gives you advantage. So if you have this yep. and barbarian class, you roll three dice and ignore the lowest one twice. Yep. Which is pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um well, so I was actually, about, I actually about the genuine dice rolling. question. Genuine question. Like if you have multiple of those roll an additional dice, because they all specify you just ignore the lowest. If you have, if you get to roll three dice, do you get to mm-hmm. ignore the lowest and add the high two? How does it work? I actually uh, no, you, just you pick would the ignore highest. the yeah, you would you would pick the highest overall, um, essentially there because uh, the okay. abilities would resolve in that you ignore the lowest, so then that one's out, and then you would ignore the lowest again, so then that one's out. There's actually hmm. a, a a deck on Arena that I've already seen that's Delina Wild Mage and the. That pixie I was just talking about, because when Delina yeah. attacks, you make a copy of the pixie, but you roll two dice, you can pick the highest one, and then if you make one of those tokens, you roll again. So now you have two pixies, so now you're rolling three <laughs> dice, and yeah. then you can mm-hmm. just keep picking the highest one and potentially <laughs> the oh, infinite cool. <laughs> it's the deck looks sick. <laughs> I want to play it. Oh, but that a lot. <laughs> we, yeah. how do we feel in general about the rolling? I mean, I, yeah, I like it. It's like you Gosh. said, it's it's very straightforward. It tells you what the things are. I will say, and and I think I'm saying this because I have I have caught myself doing it a little bit, um, especially on the cards where you get the big big bongo banger effect on the on the twenty. Um, I I have caught myself looking at cards and being like, oh man, that twenty effect is really good. I could run that in this deck because if I roll that twenty, that's really good. But then it's like that, that's getting to twenty though. It's it's very unlikely. Don't. You gotta not make the Dumbo move. I'm saying this to me and all the other Dumbos. Don't look at one of these cards and put it in your deck because of what the 20 does. Look at it and choose the reasonable odds when you're building your deck. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I've got the, I've got the same thing on it. Like it's again, it's, it's another thing where you need to put your fun hat on because, like, it's. Mm-hmm. I think with rare exception, these cards for their rate are typically either, you know, like, and if you know the actual averages of how often you are to roll any specific thing on a d20 like it's Mm -hmm. on rate they're typically going to be fine but not exactly exciting for the thing you're most often going to roll but again if your fun hat is on sometimes you roll the 20 just like in D &D, Mm -hmm. sometimes you Mm -hmm. roll the 20 and there are some cards that i think there's enough support cards around that like we've talked about that'll let you roll additional dice that can bump a dice roll things like that that i there is enough of those effects here that you can put your fun hat on and not be punished for it 
just like with dungeons you can do that here with rolling the d20 and that's great like it's i like that there are more things here like even though i'm not exactly like you know I'm not drawn to any of the cards specifically to a crazy degree, but that's kind of the case with any cards released this year because of what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> but like, I think they're fun. I think it's a fun mechanic and it allows them to give a card a really pushed effect because it'll happen statistically 5% of the time. And so it's not like too worrisome for the actual competitive formats. I definitely was surprised that, um, and I think it's a good thing that they didn't, but I, I don't think they added anything that I can remember that just straight let you um, increase the result of your die. There's a few cards that just for their own effect let you add certain mm-hmm. things to the die roll, but there's nothing that does it across the board, yeah. I think. Which I think is a good move. It's I, not... th- I think that's correct, yeah. and that's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's a good move. I I am so close to liking it, but mm-hmm. I don't think I mm-hmm. quite got there. Because I think the things that I was looking for when I learned, especially that it was like D20s, is I was mm-hmm. just like, okay, for me personally, there should be no cards. There should be no cards that give you a 1 through 9, 10 through 20 chance. That's a coin flip. If you're going to gotcha. do a D20, differentiate uh-huh. it. There mm-hmm. shouldn't be many cards that only give you two options. That's a coin flip. And yeah. even then, yeah. coin flips... The and I get like I get that they're not going to go crazy with it because this is the corset replacement. They were never going to go that mm-hmm. hog mm-hmm. wild, but just so many of the cards are like here's two options and there's no bad option. I yeah, want right, a right. one to ruin like that's why I like treasure chest so much. If you roll a one on treasure chest, you have paid what you paid four mana and lost three life and sacrificed an artifact. That's what happens. That's it. And I wish, Mm -hmm. I wish all of them had like, I wish all of them were just like, Hey, you roll a one, you're screwed for a little bit. You roll a 20. You're Mm -hmm. great for a while, but they were really tame with it. Like the ones Mm -hmm. in the commander precons, I think that they've done some cooler things. Yeah. Because what they did in those is that they have, like, you roll in D8, D6, D12, and D4s. And in D&D, at least my knowledge of it, is that if you're rolling those dice, that means that you have had a spell or a check or an attack go in your favor already, and now you're just tallying up the amount mm-hmm. of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. like, you mm-hmm. know, I'm attacking mm-hmm. with an axe, I roll like a D12 and deal the damage. But for the D20 rolls in D&D, typically... Those are skill checks. Those are things that you can fail and crit on. Like I, mm-hmm. maybe my knowledge is lacking, and there are plenty of spells that resolve with a d20. But I personally have never played with them in my time of playing Dungeons and Dragons, where it's just like, oh, your fireball was successful. Roll, you know, three d20 or whatever. So it's a <laughs> bunch of d6 or something. So yeah. I wish- if you if you have an attack in D and D that has you rolling a D twenty as your damage die, that is an insanely that's what, strong. And that's what I was thinking, but <laughs> I I don't know because I don't yeah. play it as much as you might have. So mm-hmm. I feel like it was it's so close to being just different enough. And the other thing that kind of disappoints me was that this was an opportunity to include something that was essentially coin flips. And not just make it coin flips, but even the commander that they did for it in the set is just another coin flip. Is it commander that lets you draw a card (laughs) on a good result? And that result is 10 or higher, which is a coin flip. So it's just, 
it's yeah. really frustrating to me because I, you know, I if you're gonna have more variable in your roles, you really gotta juice it. But you know, they've done it once. Maybe they can bring it back at some point, make it a little bit more crazy. Yeah, I, but that's I, how I, I think feel it's about the thing it. is like because of for the cards that are gonna be standard legal, because obviously you yeah. have the commander product yeah. notwithstanding, I definitely get the sense that they were like, all right, we're gonna introduce dice rolling, but there's gonna be one dice that you roll in tournaments that hmm. you have to care about because every card in the standard thing is doing d20 and the yeah. commander product we're getting d4 d6 d12 all that kind of stuff um, yeah a lot of really in, cool in, yeah and so i i think i think a side result of that is the d20 is then having it's like a square peg round hole thing the d20 is having to be used to represent a mechanical flavor that it d- is not used for in D and the after effect of that is mm-hmm. like some of them do feel like coin flips because in in D D having you flip a coin for an effect is not an unheard of thing. Having yeah. something be 50, 50 is not, is not uh, out of the realm there. And so mm-hmm. it's, I think it's the fact that everything here has to be a D 20 for simplicity of gameplay, which is an understandable concession. I totally get that. In fact, I, I probably even land on that being the right call for a standard set just so it's simpler. And like, when you go to F and M, you only have to bring a D 20. Yeah. No, I, did, I didn't want them yeah. to have other dice rolls. Yeah. I just wanted, I just wanted like, there's the one where if you, I think that, uh, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? It's like, oh, like Delina is like one to 14 and 15 to 20, not one to 10 and 11 to 20. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or there's the one that's like, you know, you scry one on this roll, you scry two on this roll and you scry three mm-hmm. on this other roll and some like more variance, this, more complexity. Yeah. 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 You, uh, you roll a 20 on contact other plane, you scry three, then draw three cards. And then on a one through nine, you draw two cards. And on a 10 through 19, you scry two, then draw two. One should have just been, you put a card from your hand on top of your library. That's, yeah. that's all I wanted. I want my ones and twenties. I want some suck and some good old fashioned Hype. That's what I wanted, they, but I, I get it. So they yeah. should they should have done just one one pairing to make one meld card in this set, and on the back side have at least ten options on a die roll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been amazing. I mean, I couldn't have done that otherwise. Oh, I need the space, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's two, uh, three to four. Jesus. Let's hop into the cards we're excited to to maybe use in commander. Oh, oh, oh actually, let's before actually real... before I did want to mention or speak okay. about mm. briefly. I remain completely shocked that the party mechanic didn't come back in this set. Oh I yeah, I hundred percent was <laughs> yeah. expecting party it, to come back. Which yeah. now it just means that Zendikar had a completely bad mechanic in it and that that, like it never it didn't have any payoff it just Mm -hmm. had a bad mechanic i i think in all of the in all of the various youtubes and stuff i watched i think i only ever remember seeing one person even attempt to build it in a commander deck Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was fun. It's just dry. really funny. It was fun and dry. Well, but, but they and, really and, needed to sell this set, and so they couldn't yeah. bring back a bad mechanic. <laughs> but then at least, at least there would have been more more things. And for anyone who doesn't remember, part the party mechanic was um, it, it's checking <laughs> to see if you have nobody remembers. <laughs> If yeah. you have, you know, one each of a rogue, a wizard, a cleric, and a warrior to have a full party, a full D and D style party. When it was shown off for Zendikar Rising, it was oh this is this is a D and D party. It's so D and D like oh hey, and the D and D set's coming up real soon, and it didn't happen. Yeah, I think it was how lackluster it was in Zendikar that convinced me that there was no way it wasn't coming back. Like nothing mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. mind could have accepted that they made this mechanic. It sucked. 
on, and and that's it. I really was just like, no, they they powered it down so that when DD comes up, it'll be like yeah. it'll blow everybody out of the water. But no, it's just it's just bad. So let's get into the cards we like yeah, that aren't yeah. a bad mechanic, or maybe they are. Um, let's go into our top three each favorite cards in the set. Uh, does anybody in particular want to go first? Do we just want to do it reverse of how we did it? Just snake it back. We'll snake it back. That works for me. Yeah, we'll snake it back. All right, I went last, so. Here is my number three pick. Now, once again, I am approaching this from the perspective of these are cards that not only would I like to play, but I would like to see played against me in a game. Um, mm-hmm. just, just so I have other lines of thinking. But this one should be no surprise to anybody because my number three pick is Tasha's Hideous Laughter. It is one yes. and two blue for a sorcery. Each opponent exiles cards from the top of their library until they have exiled cards with total mana value of 20 or more. It's Exile Mill, baby, and it's three <laughs> mana, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it'll get rid of a lot of my deck. If you're playing in a group that has a lot of low drops, low to the ground kind of uh, decks, you'll probably screw them real good. If you're playing mm-hmm. against some Eurekos, you will exile two cards. It's one of those things. Yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Is there even a 20 drop permanent in Magic? No. Maybe. They're running Glee Max. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what type of persuasion check you'd need to pass to let your playgroup let you run Glee Max. Glee Max in your, in your Rico, Rico of, all of all decks. One million life <laughs> What it, um, like, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but yeah, this is a, a thing that, that people have probably caught on to is that I very much like mill. This is a form of mill to me. It is getting the top card of the library out of there. We're just throwing it away. And I also, if you've listened to the last couple of reviews, I like variable cards. It's the same reason I like Vile Smasher. Even though you know what the damage is, you don't know who it's going to. I like cards where you don't know how much damage you're dealing. I don't know how much I'm going to... I like. I know I'm milling at least 20 at least 20 Mm -hmm. cards worth or 20 mana worth of cards. But who knows? That might be four or five. It could be like close to 30, 40. (laughs) It's it's good. And it hits everybody except for me, which I would be okay if it hit me too, honestly. That's not the... Because we get to mill. Because we get to... Every every game of Magic you play is an opportunity to mill. um, (laughs) If you're doing it right. Um, Moving on. My number two pick, I do have to say... Howling Golem is out, guys. Howling Golem has been dethroned. Oh, it's out. Oh. No more oh. do we need a thing that just tends to die all the time before anything yep, cool happens. Sure does. <laughs> because baby, yeah. we got the flump. We got the flump. Yeah. One in a white defender flying jellyfish. Whenever it is dealt damage, pinged, ponged, any old tiny bit of damage, me. And target opponent each draw a card. I love this card. One of the main reasons I love this card is that thing of target opponent and you draw a card. Like This is one of the things. This stupid jellyfish is one of those things where in a game, you tell someone, hey, attack me. And they're like, well, I don't have any blockers if I do that. You say, no, do it. You can draw a card. And then when they hit it, you give the card draw to someone else. And you've <laughs> made an arch enemy 
be, mm-hmm. with a jellyfish defender. <laughs> like you yes. can just, mm-hmm. you can just mm-hmm. lie. You can be a villain with your defending white jellyfish of all things. <laughs> and you don't have to, you don't have to risk it. Like with, with Howling Golem, if nobody else had creatures, you're like, well, I guess I got to attack sometimes. Or you just have to make these trades. And this one is just, it has to hang back. It must hang back. Yeah. And people will mm-hmm. expose themselves mm-hmm. to get that sweet, sweet card draw. They want mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And I will let them no, no, with this no. dumb jellyfish. I will be putting it in majority of my white decks. There's a few that probably won't get it, but I really like this stupid guy. I like him. He's cute. Um, throw him in your hug decks or throw him in your defender decks. Why not? <laughs> uh, that's yeah. a zero for attacker in Arcades. That ain't bad. That actually Flying. gives you value. Yeah. Like before that even happens, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it a lot. Now this one, this one I'm surprised by. My number one pick has surprised me because I don't remember the last time I had picked something in these colors as like my favorite or as a commander in these colors. But this is nearly, in my opinion, kind of the antithesis to what has been happening recently with Simic Commanders. This is Volo Guide to Monsters. Two, a green and a blue, a human wizard. Whenever you cast a creature spell that doesn't share a creature type with a creature you control or a creature card in your graveyard, copy that spell. This yes. guy here, this guy here, like we have gotten, we in Kaldheim, we got a clone Simic Commander. He just yes. was a clone. Mm-hmm. We got Essex. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, man, if you're going to create things, they're all clones of this. This guy mm-hmm. says, hey, listen, all of the Simic clone things that you like to do, you cannot do them in me. You can't mm-hmm. play clones. They're shapeshifters. If there's a shapeshifter in the graveyard, you won't get a copy. And guess what? Mm-hmm. Parallel lives, doubling season, primal vigor, those don't do anything. Because mm-hmm. when you when you copy a permanent spell, it resolves as a token. You don't create a token. You can't even do the usual green yep. token shenanigans. You just mm. have to pick. You have to you have to pick cards that probably only have one type and he's a human wizard you don't get (laughs) any wizards (laughs) a lot of the best blue cards that you'd want multiple of are wizards you don't get like you can run them sure but you don't get to make a bunch of them you want an elemental you better pick one is Moldrotha the one? Or not Moldrotha? Do you want the uh, Moldrift? <laughs> Do you want like oh, Avenger? Yeah. Do you want uh, Risen Reef? Like you gotta pick. You gotta pick. And guess what? <laughs> if you want enough creatures in your deck, like you want to have like 40 creatures, good luck finding enough good creature types to really <laughs> fill that out. You get one elf, you get one elemental. You get, you get mm-hmm. access to like a couple of dragons now. That is true. But... My favorite thing is that technically Spark Double is an illusion. So you can still run Spark Double and then run another clone to have that be the the Spark Doubled one. Uh, But when you cast mm -hmm. it, it's a shapeshifter and Spark Double is an illusion. So you can still do Spark Double shenanigans pretty well. And that makes me happy. So a card where Spark Double is especially good it hits my heart real well. I love this might be this stupid the timmiest commander ever printed. It is mm-hmm. a card that mm-hmm. incentivizes you to just run a stack 
of, of cool good, creatures you good like. cool creatures that probably <laughs> don't interact it. in any way. Not I even, love and the thing is, cool, awesome, non-legendary creatures. Because his his effect is completely squandered if you try to yeah, do a oh, yeah. So it is the <laughs> timmiest, it is the most I dug through a stack of cards and I just grabbed random vanilla worm and I put it in here. <laughs> and that's what I did. And it was fine. It's what the deck needs me to do. It is, I think, like, legitimately, you there. I think there is a strong argument for Fola being the, like, the most Timmy-designed legendary card I have seen since I started playing. It is so good. It's and it lets you and it, and you make copies. Copying stuff mm-hmm. is a is a big Timmy thing. So a, here's a yep. big mm-hmm. world spine worm twice. Here it yes. is. <laughs> Love it. Granted, when the token goes to the graveyard, it won't shuffle back in. Uh, Might have been a wasted slot, but a very big worm. <laughs> but this the thing is the other part of it that I like is I have no doubt that there actually is a way to really break Volo wide open and have it be a very very powerful deck. But to get there is not going to be easy and no. that's one of the things that i get mm-hmm. so annoyed mm-hmm. with with simic with simic legendary design because i love playing green blue because i hate having to make concessions when i build decks so like mm-hmm. but the issue is with kinnon and with i think in this same set there's another green blue that's doing the tetioba thing oh I yeah gretchen like, twitch willow yeah oh, i yeah. don't like for the decks strongest version to be so obvious to be mm-hmm. so on its face like i have no doubt there's gonna be a very powerful volo deck because it's just a stack of good creatures that you get a mm-hmm. second mm-hmm. one for free of course that's strong and so it's all about the tinkering and that means that every volo deck you see is going to be a little different because i as a player i'm going to value some effect that i'm running one of yeah, in that's this deck the thing. More that's what you. i'm saying it's like because yeah. there have been so many cool elementals and so having yes. to pick it's just like do i want to have <laughs> my top end finisher be avenger or go for crazy card draw with like mm-hmm. some other options like that and you yeah. know beasts are the same way there's so many beasts yeah. and some of them are so good and so you mm-hmm. can only get one you can only the thing, get it, it's either it's oh, you either have this deck uh-huh. that is just going maximum full tilt on variety or you have a deck that is that is engineered in such a way that it's spending so many resources to constantly bounce creatures off the field and shuffle its graveyard back in so that yeah. the qualification doesn't matter and yeah, there see, and like, was... that like that's a that's an yeah. angle on it yeah, that I'm thinking on. I was trying to think and, of yeah, like ways well, to I, actually and here's abuse another thing. him. Um, and Listen, one thing yeah, that came here to mind it is. was was Amiiboid Changeling. One of its tap abilities is target creature loses all creature types until end of turn. So that facilitates, yes. but no, it doesn't because Amiiboid Changeling has Changeling. It's every creature type. So you would. <laughs> yep. So it's it, on the field. Yeah. But he, I was thinking the funniest thing to do with Volo is morph. Those creatures don't have a type. Have no types. Oh. <laughs> so you can just if you cast morphs, you can get tokens of morphs, but that doesn't do anything. They're just two twos. Like there's no there's no way that's not gonna be at least a little hilarious. So that is that, well, that's, that's my is like, number one. Even pick. even the even the angle on it that I can think of that actually that breaks the fair thing that Villa's designed around. If you show me a deck where you are constantly bouncing your own creatures and recycling your entire yard, 
all the time, that's that is a hilarious hoop that you've been able to jump through if you can pull that off. <laughs> I don't even mind seeing that because it's like to do because you have to do both. Volo's not just like it can't share anything like Guardian Project is just on the field, right? That's a fairly simple enough hoop to have to get through. Volo's like it cannot be on the field, nor could it have been milled or died. It can't I can't know that you have it for sure. And so you have to go through so many hoops to break it. Love that card. It was one of mine, which is why I had so much shit to say about it. Oh, was it really? That's dope. <laughs> yes. That's cool. So yeah. well, no, well then we'll Bola. we'll move on to we'll move on to Josh then, in case you want to try to think of, of another one. Josh, I'm actually super interested to hear what your your guys' top three are, because looking at this set, nothing really screamed to me screams to me outright as being like Josh and Drew cards. So like I'm I'm yeah, pretty excited to yeah. hear these actually. Josh, what do you have as your as your third pick? Well, I yeah, I mean there were there were a lot of cards in this set that like I I will use in a general sense, but not like because they're super interesting. Um but I but I do have three. I do have three that I do like. Um my number three <laughs> is still the least interesting of my picks, though. Um it is teleportation. That's how Circle. it should go. Yeah. <laughs> uh for three colorless oh. one white you get a white oh yeah okay yeah and its ability is at the beginning of your instep exile up to one target artifact or creature you control then return that card to the battlefield under its owner's control i've always been real fond of the various things that you can do with conjurer's closet which is a five drop mm-hmm. artifact that just lets you do this uh blink to just a creature this is one more efficient, although it does need the color. Uh, it's an enchantment instead, but it can hit artifacts or creatures. And I don't even currently like have a super specific thing in mind that I want to do with it, but I, I'm happy that it exists. The first thing that came to mind that is garbage... Yeah, I like that it's in rare, this too, because this is like Thassa... Oh, rare, yeah. Rolling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you could put this in a uh, living weapon equipment deck to just keep making uh, zero zero black Phyrexian germ creature tokens because you could just keep bouncing those uh, living weapon equipments. You could do that. You could do that now. Sure could. But you sure but no. Could, but white white is the anthem color. Like you could I in know. anointed procession. Yeah. You could just build. You could just build germ blink. Oh, <laughs> white just... aggro start a freaking play you, you could yep. build pink eye dot deck yeah oh, <laughs> uh, that's actually really nice i don't think i'm gonna do that but i like it a lot because i really like the living weapon equipments this is that is not if anyone's listening that use. idea is free yeah yeah um but mainly it's just I'm, I'm happy for as many of this effect as exists just because i've just been fond of it for a long time and this one is slightly more efficient than others have been and it uh, has a little more 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 broad uh use so it's neat, I say. It's also got yeah, some this sick is art. the first one that hits yeah. uh, that hits artifacts. Most of the other ones have only yep. hit creatures up until now. So that that's really good. That's true. That's true. Okay, my second one, um, arguably also not interesting, just for the people that know me, which uh, Daniel and Drew do. Um, my second one is <laughs> the Rogue Class. Who is this man? Um, it is the mm-hmm. Rogue yep. Class. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of the new class cards, as you can tell by the name and the type, uh, for a blue and a black, um, (laughs) static effect that you get is whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, exile the top card of that player's library face down. You may look at it for as long as it remains exiled. There's a train coming and it is about to choo-choo 
real loud. Do you guys want to hear it? <laughs> you want to hear it? Uh, yeah. No, mute, mute your mic and I'll keep reading the text off while it passes. Okay. That's the better idea. Okay. Okay, so for as long as it remains exiled. Uh, to Level two is one and a blue and a black. Uh, creatures you control have menace straight up. Them rogues, they're sneaking in. And you're going to mm-hmm. be exiling cards. It's very, very good. Um, and then level three is two, a blue, and a black. And you may play cards exiled with the rogue class. And you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells. That's really cool. It's, it's really <laughs> I didn't know that it was uh, so split off from the first ability, but that's really good. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, because. It's extremely good. I'm. Well, no, I mean, I guess there are, are, are a number of the classes where it's kind of the things build off of each other. But this one's so explicit in its static level one ability feeding level three. And I, I like the feel of that. I really like the exile mill on the combat damage. That feels real nice. And it's real rogue. Mm-hmm. The level two ability letting your rogues get in. That makes sense. And then the level three, you can get your opponents things and use them for yourself which people don't like to have happen but i do like do <laughs> i know i also really like that it's face down like yeah yeah we, they we, don't know i don't what know when the got. last time we've gotten a good like continuous face down mill yeah. play card has been like gonti is and the last one i can think yeah. of i did it I face down like that. i continuously am stuck on how disappointing the ingest mechanic was in this. This does it. This does it for rogues, which are good at getting through. And then it has the payoff for the ingest. I just want ingest to be good. And this does it. This does mm-hmm. ingest so good. It's it also like it's it's the rogue class card. Like my my favorite rogue to play in Magic and my favorite rogue to see in the rogue deck is Gonti. I think Gonti mm-hmm. is an incredibly mm-hmm. cool commander uh, in its yeah. own right. I think Gonti and the rogue deck is is filling like a really unique niche. Its effect is so freaking cool, and so to get mm-hmm. even more of that, I think is just dope. Like, and especially to see it to see it on something that's so on the nose as rogue class that synergizes with what the tribal rogues like cards are already <laughs> trying to do is great. <laughs> Yeah, it's a flavor. I do. That is a thing that I do really like. Yeah. So um, like I said, not not surprising, (laughs) not surprising, but it's nice. Now my third one, my third one. Well, you're gonna really surprise us with your number one. Oh man, yes, number one, big boy. I liked it since I saw it. I still liked it. I used it in my draft uh, that I did on MTG Arena and did poorly in, but I definitely used it. Uh, and that is Trickster's Talisman. This is an equipment for one yes. blue specifically. It's got equipped two. Uh, and equipped creature gets plus one, plus one, and has whenever this creature deals combat damage to a player, you may sacrifice Trickster's Talisman. And if you do, you create a token that's a copy of that creature. I really like effects that let you make uh, a copy of a critter. This one, I mean, like, Arguably, yes, if you do like quasi-duplicate, you don't have to worry about getting through with the combat damage. Yes, but this one you can put out turn mm-hmm. one, equip uh, equip later for, for less. Um, there's There are plenty of ways that you can recur this from the graveyard, it being one-drop artifact. You can get this back with Emery and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm definitely going to use Emery it clones, in at baby, least meta. one deck. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, I like it so much. I like it so much. I I don't even know what more to say about it. You make 
you make a token, you got to do combat damage. So it's not, it's, you got to hoop. So it's a little less good than other effects, but I like it so much. The art's real neat. He's, there's the hand flipping a coin and there's a spooky ghost hand of the first hand coming in. It's, it's, uh, it's, I like it. I was going to say it's good, but it's not that great, but I really do like it. You just gotta put it in an artifact. You need to put this in a deck with a lot of ways to copy artifacts so that then you can equip it and copy your creatures. Oh, yes. Yeah, you you copy the trickster's talisman so then you can copy your creature. That's smart. I should have thought of that. You need to cipher stolen identity onto an unblockable creature and then equip it with Trickster's Talisman. So you deal the damage, and then you have the Stolen Identity trigger first to make a copy of Trickster's Talisman, and then you sacrifice the original Trickster's Talisman and make another unblockable. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you, um, if you're if you're down. still running Stolen Identity in um, any of your decks, <laughs> place it with Trickster's Talisman or anything else. Um, this is definitely better. And stolen identity. Uh, you can run Trickster Talisman in, uh, in Brutoclad. Yeah. Make a bunch of tokens and then make all those tokens into a token copy of it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Talisman. That way you can get more copies of yourself. See, there's so many possibilities. <laughs> there's so there are there are a lot of possibilities. Let's move on to Drew. Drew, what is your number three favorite card in the set? What are you excited yeah. to see? What are you excited to look at? Or what just tickles your fancy? The one I do want to give a, uh, I actually want to give an honorable mention to, because I think for a lot of like the random commons and uncommons, this will be a pretty common player experience. Uh, my honorable mention is Boulette. Boulette is a wholly unremarkable mm-hmm. card. Four mana, three, three, beast. At the beginning of your incept, if a creature died, put a one, one counter on Boulette. The reason that I love that Boulette is here is whenever I ran my campaign, I would just kind of go through the monster manual, find a thing that I thought would be fun to fight, and I would have that be the impetus for the entire session. And I had a character whose previous, uh, or I had a player whose previous character died, so they had rolled a new character. And in the session, they were going to be fighting a boulette, and they didn't move in time, and they got crushed by a land shark. And that's just a great story that I love telling. <laughs> Because it just it it digs through the ground and it can jump out of the ground. They did not move in time to get out of the way, and so it hmm. slammed onto them with its entire body weight, and they died. It was a great time. Everyone had a good hearty laugh. That is my honorable mention. But I imagine a lot of players who are, who have a D and D story will enjoy seeing like an owl. Like there's an owl bear. There's a like ochre jelly and stuff like that. And that's just like I like seeing a boulette here. It's just a random thing that I remember. And seeing it, seeing it makes me feel warm in the heart. Just seeing them, like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. they just they mm-hmm. totally borked that uh, that reflex save I gave them, so they got crushed to death by a land shark. That's what happens. <laughs> My number three pick is a card that I just love that exists. Um, it's Guardian of Faith, one white white for a three two Spirit Knight Flash Vigilance. When it enters the battlefield, mm. any number of other target creatures you control phase out. Love this. I love that there is a color that is about being defensive that doesn't have to counter what the opponent is trying to do so that your opponent does nothing. 
Blue is a defensive color in the sense that it's able to counter magic its way out of your opponent's plans. White gets to be a protective defensive color by having a shield and bubble around your things. And I love that it, like it's they are giving white powerful cards so that that's relevant to think of. Instead of me just going, well, they're going to for sure kill my thing, so let me just run Recursion. We're now seeing more white cards that are able to blink my thing out so I can dodge your removal. I can give it protection so it just stays on the field. And I like that there is more support for this defensive playstyle because it's like I'm I'm tired of just getting run over in 18,000 different ways and not <laughs> having a deck that has any counterplay to that. Without mm -hmm. just being like, mm -hmm. you don't get to play. It's like, no, you still get to cast your spells. You resolve your stuff. I just defended against it. And that's a fun line of play. And also, this is, I think, a very strong white effect for them to yeah. get. And we're yeah. getting phasing back for the second core set in a row. And phasing's super cool. It it's, is. I'm it's really surprised to, to me see because... it. Well, no, mm -hmm. that's not that's not what it is. It's well, mm -hmm. you know what? For you, yes, but for me, the Thank thing you. that <laughs> is surprising to me is that is that this thing mentions phase out when this enters the battlefield, but there's no flavor keyword. Like, oh, I, because this like is the thing. only card with phasing in the whole oh, set, and there's not yes. like a flavor reason okay. why. Unless is phasing like do people phase out in D and D? Is that like a spell that you just get? Like you phase out and it's just called phase out or something um i i don't know enough about that kind of higher level magic gotcha um, okay but, yeah but i know hmm. like phasing out in its practical way that it works in magic does exist in D. &D. yes okay well, it, it is weird though because so many things um, that do a similar thing that have a flavor yeah. name it's just yeah it, it's cool i do like the card <laughs> on, yeah, on blink it's, dog, it's just so confusing because is... you know this is like hey when this this yeah. is a battlefield make a zombie and it's like ooh, zombie make <laughs> yeah Blink Dog in this exact set, it you can pay four to phase yes. it out, and that has that flavor ability name of teleport. But then you're right, the the uh, yep. Guardian Faith just just doesn't have one, and that's really weird. It's really weird. It just does not. Yeah, there is Blink Dog, which also great name. Another another honorable mention to Blink Dog. <laughs> also, that it phases and it does not exile and then return it to the battlefield, so it does not mm -hmm. do what is traditionally called Blink. It instead phases <laughs> it out. Love that. Yep. I bet now that I've pointed it out, a lot of people who can get in the comments are upset. Um, mm. My number, my number two pick is another thing that I love on multiple, multiple axes. Not least of which is that it just is an ooze creature, which I have a very Ooh, soft which one gelatinous spot in my heart for. Damn, okay. It is gelatinous cube. Oh. Gelatinous cube. Two and two black for a four three ooze. Can uh, it can engulf, which is whenever gelatinous cube enters the battlefield, exile target non ooze creature and opponent controls until gelatinous cube leaves the battlefield and dissolve for X and a black as an activated ability. Put target creature card with mana value X exile with gelatinous cube into its owner's graveyard. I love this card top to bottom and on both sides of it. Flavor-wise, <clears throat> perfect no complaints. A gelatinous Cuban D&D will bring you into its body, and if you can kill it before it eats you, it does not get to eat you and you get to leave it. And if you don't, it eats you. And mechanically in Magic, you are now putting your opponent in an interesting gameplay decision. You exile their thing and it's exiled in a Fiend Hunter kind of way, the fixed Fiend Hunter kind of way. 
Yeah. Where it's like, hey, if I kill your creature, then I get my thing back, I get to reset my ETB. Which means that now this creature with supposed upside, I have to worry about, oh, am I resetting an ETB? Well, I needed to get rid of the creature anyway. So none of these options feel great. But if I have the mana to, or if I'm like, they can't kill it right now, and if they can't, then I can just dunk it into their yard. They don't get any dies triggers. It's hitting the yard straight up. I can do that in concert with an effect that shuffles because I'm able to do this ability at instant speed. Love this card. Love every it's bit really of this card. It's really cool. And this is our first, um, this is our first black um, uh, Fiend Hunter effect since, what, Oubliette? Oh. Yeah, and that phases, and so like, yeah, it's it's a it's an it's an expansion in that effect to black. I don't know, like outside of blue and white, how many things do that kind of exile for a bit. It's primarily a white effect. Yeah, it's for, for sure. Oh, there's a couple of bad nightmares that do it, like okay, from okay. one set that have it, but usually, I think the only one that actually can hit a creature has to hit a white or green creature. So even gotcha. then, it's got a lot of stuff. Oof. But yeah, this but is yeah. A, a cool effect. Well, because it's also it's you could absolutely panharmonic on this. It's going to etb exile oh, two things. So and you can dunk one of them into the yard at the time if you only want them to get one back. There's just so much great stuff with this effect. I love gelatinous cube so much. It is a great, delightful, delightful boy. And it's even it's like fancy D and D art looks horrifying. That is oh, yeah, terrifying. Look at the showcase. Look art at for it. This. Look at its showcase art for five seconds horrifying <laughs> it's yeah, got a big old face Stephen it, it's got a big hole in it so it has cute. skulls for eyes love that <laughs> that's wonderful skulls oh, for man. eyes are you kidding me and it's around a tiny little treasure chest horrifying <laughs> love this card would run it in every deck even decks that don't have black and i would just rule zero hope my friends were nice it is just cool <laughs> i wouldn't even run away to play it i would just have it in the deck so i could look at it just sometimes. to look at it <laughs> Just to look at it and know that it's a card that exists. Oh, Absolutely. Every bit. Love that card. My uh, my number one pick, I'm going to um, go across the room so I can shout it to really convey how much I love Frog Heman! <laughs> yep. It's Frog Hemoth. Frog Hemoth is a five mana frog horror, four four trample haste, when it deals combat damage to a player, exile up to that many target cards from their graveyard. Put a counter on Frog Hemoth for each creature exiled this way. You gain a life for each non-creature card exiled this way. I am tired of seeing Gargadon at all, and I run that card in standard. I love this. It is a creature that comes down, it hits, it's got the trample to get through. Are you trying to recur stuff out of your yard? I'm eating that. That's getting eaten up in my big old frog horror belly. This thing has three eyes. Are you kidding me? It's got tentacles. What is this? It's my favorite stuff. Uh, people who, I, I don't know how often I talk about this on the show. I think I mentioned like early in Magic, I was raised in a pit of spikes, but I play green stompy. That is the archetype that I wish was the only archetype that existed. If I had to pick one <laughs> archetype, which I would never, but the best magic i just love playing a big dumb creature and coming in i acknowledge that other people are trying to do cheeky stuff like win a game idiots so i have to try to make more interesting big green doofuses to try to combat that frog hemoth is wonderful one i love more graveyard hate this is an efficient body it is good in a deck like it's 
If you want to just build a dumb turn my brain off switch, I want to turn creature sideways deck, this fits into that archetype and allows you to have that flexibility to actually deal with a graveyard deck. And as and like in a standard thing, a graveyard deck is just going to be able to outvalue you. And so I love that Frog Hemoth is slotting into that playstyle that I think is very widespread because it is very fun, but it's letting you also impact that axis of the game. And I love that. Also, just everything again, just like just like with Ooze, everything about this card. It's got tentacles, its tongue has like a hand on it. It has yeah. it is one upped. <laughs> the the number of limbs sticking out of a mouth from Gitrog, the last really notable frog whore, because we have two legs coming. Oh out yeah, of the I was I was is, waiting um, to say that. I was going to say, yeah. look, you know, you're in good company when the only other creature that shares your creature types is the Gitrog, Gitrog. monster. <laughs> like you're you're golden. Love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's the he, only even remotely negative thing I have to say about this card is that it's not legendary, so I have to ask first before I make it a commander. <laughs> I'd let you just, you just because the art is the most yeah. of a Futurama looking creature. It's got three eyes. Oh, that for sure. It, it, just, it looks eye. like it could be anything in a one-off gag in Futurama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. That that'll always make me happy. Just do That's just good. do frog like or it. tribal. You've got Gitrog in the zone. You got Frog Hemoth as your <laughs> only creature in the ninety-nine, and just play it out. Yep. I mean, it would probably do well because if the rest is lands, get wrong is good at that. (laughs) Um, So so yeah, that's, it would probably do better than some of the decks we choose to play anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, that is, and it's, and it's also target. Like that's uh, the one thing I also want to kind of do here is also like it hits, it exiles as many cards as damage it deals and you target them. So also like you can run this in a deck that like if you were wanting to have more decision points, you can target, oh, you're trying to get like, here's your four combo pieces that you just put into your graveyard of buried alive or whatever. And now they're gone. I've eaten them with my frog horror. What are you going to do? I love that. Well, you guys, you guys, let us know what is your favorite frog horror in the set. Um, Specifically, (laughs) frog horror, not horror, not frog, but specifically both frog horror. I bet I can figure it out, but I still want to see your your comments. comments. Let Let us us know. know. Um, Let us know how you feel about the D and D set. You excited to adventure in a dungeon? You want to roll a fifty-fifty coin? Um, You know, (laughs) go ahead and do that. (laughs) <laughs> this is like your only options. Um, and uh, I think that wraps up all of this. I think you feel pretty good about it. Anything else we, we need to say it. to everybody? Get Frog Hemoth and put it in your deck. Get Frog Hemoth and put it in your deck. And also from way back there, Drew, uh, go ahead and do our outro. <laughs> I have demonstrated the loop. I will move to the end step and concede. Nice. And now Drew has to walk back to his computer and then hit the button to stop the recording.